Kia ora e tihoa me te whanau. Welcome, friends and family, to the Candid Kiwi podcast. I'm your host, Melissa, and I am the Candid Kiwi. Kia ora and welcome to episode 20. In this episode, you get to meet Shanae. Shanae is engaged to my nephew over in Perth and she's part Aboriginal and she talks to us about her story growing up as Aboriginal in Australia as well as her Aboriginal family and their culture and educates us a little bit better about that beautiful beautiful ancient culture, who they are, some of their traditions, some of their struggles and how Australia is doing better and how they can continue to do better with educating their people about the Aboriginal people and their culture, who they are and how to be more inclusive with their Indigenous people. It was a real treat to be able to talk to Shanae and I'm super grateful for her to be able to share her story and to be able to be vulnerable with me and I learned a lot. I learned a word that I wasn't supposed to say that I've been saying and so you get to hear that and you get to be educated about another person's story and to be able to do better and be better and that's the reason why I do this is to help us to be able to make connections across the world and to make sure that we move forward more educated and more loving with an open heart and understanding that everybody has a story and we need to be a little bit more kinder and make sure that we after we're educated that we do a better job of making sure that we practice what we've been educated because it's all about education and then practicing what we've learned so that we can continue to be better people. So I'm excited for you to hear this 20th episode with Shanae. So let's go listen. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you here, Shanae. Your heritage is super full of your mother and your father's side with them both being from different cultures. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that heritage and where this heritage comes from with both of them? Yeah, it's nice to be here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so my mum, my mum's father is Dutch and her mother is half Scottish and half Pom. So there's a bit of, there's, there's a bit of family that side that I still don't know about because that's all right they came over yeah a long time ago <laughs> and then on my dad's side my dad's grandfather on his father's side is an Italian man and his grandfather on my on his mother's side is a German man and the Italian man had about five other women that yeah he sort of it wasn't really consensual it was just like a I'll take you and then have your kids and sort of just whitewash us as much as possible so he came over this Italian grandfather he came over to Aussie and he decided that he was going to have five aboriginal wives yeah yeah decided that he would take five of five different women so that side of dad's family is quite big because they had quite a few children with them and then their kids had quite a few children and then so on so on and so the family that side's quite quite massive. That is massive. You have a lot of cousins. Yeah. 
Yes, a lot I don't know of as well. <laughs> yeah, and you have a lot of like siblings. My dad's brothers and sisters, uh, my aunties and uncles, and their kids are my siblings. So pretty much all my cousins are my siblings and all my, I've got heaps of aunties and uncles and nans and pops and things. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, pretty, pretty crazy. (laughs) That is massive. That's massive. So when he came over and he took five wives, Mm -hmm. what does that look like? Like, what does that even mean? So pretty much they just go into communities and just take, take whoever they wanted, whenever they wanted, just to have fun. And then, yeah, keep them on their farms or wherever they were living and they were slaves and pretty much sex slaves, Mm, so mm. only used for whatever they wanted them for at the time. Yeah, that's unfortunate. That is unfortunate. Yeah. But we have your father, so that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, and your grandfather. Yeah, exactly. I feel... And a big, big family history background... Yeah. Love learning about it all. It's yeah. all, yeah. We're going to get into Still a so little much bit. more to learn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. Well, I'm not excited. I'm. It's unfortunate, but I think yes. uh, as long as we're educated about all of this, I think we can mm. move forward with uh, education under our arm and make sure that we can mm-hmm. tell our children and our friends uh, all about this so that we make sure that we are understanding and mm-hmm. also uh, don't do it again. Yeah. You know yeah, what I exactly. mean? Repeat history. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know I of agree. any men in my life who have five wives right now. So. <laughs> Nor do I. <laughs> so I think we're safe for now, for now. <laughs> so your mum essentially is white and your dad is essentially mm-hmm. Aborigine or at least half. And so how did yep. they even meet? How did your parents meet? So mum, what mum, was a teacher and pretty much they sort of just sent a few of them off to go teach in the communities. And my dad was actually on his way up to live in Port Hedland, but they had decided that they wanted him to work there as a teacher's assistant. So they called him up and then they, yeah, met while teaching at one of, one of his communities, actually one of his family communities. (laughs) So why don't you tell us a little bit about a community and what you mean when you say that? So communities, they're pretty much just like little family towns, really. Like a little Um, mini society. Yeah, just like a little town, but like mostly just for the Aboriginal people where they feel safe, that's where their land used to be, where their tribal land was. Well, we struggled to get most of our lands, tribal lands back, so it's pretty much just whatever's closest, I guess, to wherever their tribal land was. And that's where they've set up where they want to live and that's where, yeah, home is to them. So they keep go back after, obviously, the stolen generation when the kids were all taken away and put into missions to pretty much just whitewash them, to educate them, to teach them the white ways, to preach, to, to everything, jobs, learn to marry white people and wash us out sort of thing. After they had the stolen generation, then they set up yes. communities to keep them in certain places, is my guess. Is that right or no? no? So before the British and all that came came over, we had obviously like our tribal areas where we would, would farm on ourselves, like we would farm for food and eels. We had eel farms. Cool. But we, we would move 
in circular motion. So we would obviously move every now and then, just move with the food source Mm -hmm. and just take whatever we needed. But we would always end up back at our own tribal land sort of thing. But when the British came over, they sort of took us out of our communities and started setting up their own farms and everything like that. And as soon as most of everyone could get back to the communities, run away from it all, they would set up camp wherever closest to their original tribe used to be, yeah. Oh, I see. I had it completely wrong. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so in their communities now, which are there right now, they have like a few shops and stuff and where that they can yeah. stay and look after themselves, right? Yeah. So there's usually about one shop, one school, one health clinic. There's a few little houses. Most of them don't really don't live in houses they'd rather sleep under the stars which is what which is what we've all you know how we've grown up well lived really so it's completely understandable there are a few people that live in houses usually it's the white people that go out and help yeah they'll just go out and um, either be the health experts or the teachers or they'll have aboriginal teachers in health because obviously Aboriginal people find it hard to trust a white person, so it's easier for us to trust an Aboriginal person more so. So we'll have Aboriginal people there to help us. But, yeah, they pretty much run their own little shops and that, and it's, it's fun. It's cool. great. I love it. So your mum yeah. was a teacher to the little school in the community up there that was your dad's community then, correct? Yeah. And then your dad yeah. went up, you said, to help in the schools as well? Yeah. And then yeah, they met. so he just went. Um, yeah, they met, and then I don't think my mum was really interested at first. And then <laughs> one of her my be- her best friend, which is my uncle, was sort of like, "Oh, go on." And so it happened. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. lucky he went up there to help. Born. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be here <laughs> instead of going up to Port Douglas to live his dreams up there. <laughs> I'm glad that he went to the school. Yeah, that's exactly. awesome. So obviously the Aboriginal culture goes back a long time. I think the Aboriginal culture is one of the oldest cultures that we have on the planet. So why don't you Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit of history about the people and what they're like? So my little notes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay. Frustrating that we're actually considered as hunters and gatherers, nomadic and uncultured because we were actually the first culture to grind seed to, to make flour and bread before the Egyptians were. Cool. We were also the first culture to mine in open pit mines for ochre and build scaffolds cool. to mine stone for tools. Wow. We were the first to farm. Cool. <laughs> I know, this is <laughs> great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so we were first to farm. We were first to understand astrology and map our journeys using the stars. Nice. And we've also, yeah, to understand the, cal- the calendar because we were building calendars before Stonehenge. Yeah, that makes and, sense. And uh, obviously we were the first to play uh, musical, well, play musical instruments because the didgeridoo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I lived in Australia obviously, for I- about a year and a half and the didgeridoo is beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. The didgeridoo is a very sacred, so women aren't allowed to play it. It's a men's instrument. And the saying goes, if a woman plays it, then they're cursed, they're sick, either they can't fall pregnant or they fall sick in the future. So it's a very, yeah, women don't. (laughs) That's why there's usually, I don't know if you've seen, but there's if there's women playing 
didgeridoos on Facebook videos of them, people usually start getting a bit frantic because it's like, please don't do that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So <laughs> how are the people with, like, what are they like? They're, you, you were telling me that they're really caring and they love to yeah. share. Yeah. So uh, we're pretty, yeah, we're, we're great people. I, well, <laughs> of course. I'm, I'm just being, yeah, <laughs> I love our culture. We're very, um, very caring. We're pretty much uh, what's mine what's mine is yours, what's yours is mine type thing. So we, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. Very funny people, great sense of (laughs) humour. They're just so, so kind. So we're just always support, support everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just great. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. And the men, so the men, good, I'm glad. And we're going to love it too (laughs) after we finish listening to this. This is why I wanted to do this. So the men and women obviously have different roles in the culture, very distinct, Mm -hmm. different roles. Can you tell us a tiny little bit about maybe what some of those roles were or are? Yeah, so uh, men, they're the protectors, the hunters pretty much. They'll hunt for like the biggest foods. Women are the gatherers, they're the nurturers. They make sure everyone's fed, safe, looked after. The men also protect everyone. Yeah, they're very, yeah, the men are very well respected in our in our culture. But it's no, there's no real hierarchy except for the elders. Like you, you must respect your elders. There's no ifs, ands or buts about it. You disrespect an elder, you're... Toast. That's it. <laughs> How yeah. do you become an elder? The older you get, pretty much. The older you get, uh, the more you learn. The the community pretty much just make up. They pretty much just say this person's an elder because they've obviously sat there. They've learned the culture. They've learned their history. They've they want to protect their land, sort of thing. So Great. yeah, they the older you get, the wiser you are, I guess. Yeah. Now, you were saying once some boys go through puberty, they go through an initiation process. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Initiation, so that's men's business, really. Women don't know anything about men's business. That's, And women have women's business as well that men don't know about. That's, yeah, so we're pretty private, I guess, with those two. But, yeah, as soon as a guy starts getting pubic hair, they're, old enough to really go through initiation to become a lawman, to become a man really. They're the people that really look after and they, they're they pretty much magic men. They they have like spells, they can cast spells sort of thing. It's, it's pretty interesting. Like it's sort of, they're not like <laughs> witch doctors, they're not witches or anything. It's kind of weird. They've got like, they can shape shift into, into things. It's, yeah, I don't, I don't really know much about it because obviously men business, but they uh, become men and then the way you can tell an initiated man is because they wear usually a red headband Mm. Um, and if they don't wear a red headband I've seen a few that wear like a red scarf around their wrist or but that it's usually something red bright red that you'll see and that's how you know that they're an initiated man it's pretty good like my dad's father's side over in South Australia they still practice in the the traditional law and uh, yeah, they do everything pretty much the same as what they used to before the white people came. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah, they pretty, tried to initiate. You, they tried to initiate your father. Weren't you yeah. telling me your mum was like, nah? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they tried to get him a couple of times, actually. So, um, yeah, mum had to stand in the way because she was, because they, they take them out for a few months and then they're, they're MIA, really. 
you don't know anything for a few months and then they come back. So mum was like, no, not leaving me here with three kids. (laughs) I reckon, I reckon. (laughs) So you were telling me that there's like a hundred like different Aboriginal tribes and that each of them have different languages, right? Yeah. So there's over hundreds. I couldn't even give you an actual number, but there's so many different different tribes all over Australia and yeah we there's not really one generic language it's just all different languages but in some ways you can sort of understand what others are saying it sort of just depends on what area you're from I guess but um yeah it's pretty crazy because obviously it's all the way up north is completely different to the language all the way down south and even our practices are different like some do different well obviously we all have different dances different uh dreamings say uh I've got a my dreaming is the nini jokuba which is nini is small and jokuba is dreaming but it's actually the zebra finch what is what we use as um our dreaming so we've got a different dance to obviously what one of my one of my cousins might have because they might come from a different family group but like still somewhere it just fits in but yeah it's crazy so different dress wear sort of things so say body art depending on where we're from what our what our dreaming is that sort of stuff wow but yeah we're all still still sort of the same at heart <laughs> yeah yeah for sure yeah and, and the language that obviously you learn is your community right which which you've learned a little bit of yes so growing up because dad obviously he's got his mum and his dad from two different tribal groups so growing up I learned a bit of both so I would often say the wrong word in the wrong to the wrong family group and they'd be like what are you talking about I'm like, oh <laughs> uh-huh. wrong I've got to, yeah I've got to, it's just so it's hard to remember but you just I know Zeke's gonna grow up being so confused as well because obviously he's got the Maori and then he's got the two different aboriginal tribes he's a lucky <laughs> kid so. yeah he's a lucky oh, yeah. kid to have so much culture and running in his blood he is I'm just white great. who love other cultures. That's about us. I'm like a wannabe tryhard sitting on the side as a white person That's being my like, mom. man, I wish I had that culture. <laughs> it's okay, though. It's great. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, you're still great. <laughs> Thanks. So the Aboriginals have different spiritual beliefs from, say, Christian faith or a Buddhist faith or Jewish. Mm-hmm. or So why don't you tell us a little bit about their spirituality and what that kind of looks like? Uh, yeah, so we believe more so uh, that the earth is pretty much our mother. So we we were born from the earth and we were sort of given um, in our family groups, given our dreamings, which we are then meant to protect, look after. Yeah, we sort of just heal the land. So every every year we'll do it, we would usually do a um, burning where we'd go through and we'd just burn off the land, I'm ready for the next year so that when summer comes it doesn't actually like go up in flames as it has been the past few years yeah well Australia had those burnings and I'm pretty sure the aborigine were like well if you let us do our burnings this wouldn't have happened yeah (laughs) yeah just quickly sorry aborigine is somewhat seen to be a bit 
racist, I guess, because it was like used as like a, you know, like nigger is over in America. Ooh. So I just, yeah, I just thought I'd say that just because I'm fine with you saying it. I don't care because like obviously we're, we're family, but and you don't know this either, which is fine. But yeah, because I've got family and friends that really want to listen to the podcast as well. Yeah, yeah. So I just thought might let you know now, just in case, so you don't get hate <laughs> don't mail, have any backlash. Yeah. Holy crap! So what am I supposed to say? What are we supposed to say, Shane? Aboriginal. Aboriginal. Aboriginal or Indigenous? Yeah. Aboriginal or yeah. Indigenous, not Aborigine. Yeah. yeah. Or abos. Yeah. I would never say abo. <laughs> I would never, ever say Abbo. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know, I know. I, d- I doubt you would. But, yeah, not many people know, which is which is fair enough because it's not actually really taught much. So yeah. it's a very blind spot for a lot of people, which All which right, is, um, to all of Sinead's yeah. family listening up to this point, you need to forgive me. And from here on out... <laughs> I'll say Aboriginal. That's like awesome. Thank you for telling yeah. me that. And now we all know. <laughs> this is good. This is good. I'll never say that again. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Of course. This is this is great. Sorry. This is I completely great. interrupted the question too. No, with something really good. Yeah, with something really good. <laughs> I love it. This yeah. is why I'm here. To stop Thank swearing. You. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> saying horrible things You're about fine. people yeah one step at a time Shanae one step at a time it's fine You're, yeah you're learning exactly no one knows I have this necklace that I just bought a few weeks ago and it says I love Jesus but I cuss a little and that sums me up like really well but I certainly don't want to use racist cuss words that's for sure so there you go I'm moving in the right direction well, the spiritual beliefs sound oh, like just like what I thought uh, an Aboriginal would be, would be very land, Mother Nature, essentially mm-hmm. very beautiful in a sense. And I think it's, I think it's just mm-hmm. wonderful. I think it's wonderful. Thank you. And you were telling <laughs> so me that, yeah, yeah, I was, this, is, <laughs> this is why I'm doing this because I think it's wonderful <laughs> and I want to learn how to not be racist. <laughs> I love that. I appreciate it. <laughs> so you were saying when babies are born, they're given a name. So you've been given a yep. name. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So when we were born, we were taken out to the communities and pretty much they just lay us down in the dirt and they just rub dirt all over us as babies. And then they do like a little ceremony for us and then they uh, give us a name. But it's not like a it's pretty much like a normal name, like my name and your name. It's, but different. So my, my Aboriginal name is Numpi, which I, I get called that at work, which I absolutely love. Awesome. <laughs> my sister's, my sister's got two cause she's the firstborn and she had two families fighting over her. <laughs> Lucky. So <laughs> she got Imindra and Dengri. And then my brother also has two because he's the first male so, you know, unlucky me with the one. <laughs> but I don't know his second. His first is Wonky Errol. But with Aboriginal names, sadly, if, a, uh, if we're usually named after a person. I'm named after my one of my dad's dad's sisters. So one of, my dad's name, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> my dad, yeah. No, my dad's auntie. 
sorry. You have a big family. So, yeah, it's was... okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was named after her. And, yes, yeah, sadly, if a person passes away with that name, then we're no longer allowed to use our name unless our community gives us permission to. Mm. So in you find, I think it's my dad's mother's side, but in that side of the community, they'll usually get phone calls and say, or the name, the generic name is usually Kumana. So it's usually Kumana and they say, they'll call and they'll be like, oh, can I please speak to Kumana? And then whoever's answered will turn around and be like, oh, phone call for Kumana. And everyone would sort of run to the phone because there were so many people out in the communities named after family members that passed. were no longer allowed to use, yeah, their name, sadly. But, yeah, it's, it's all right, I guess. Yeah. It's all right. You just get used to it. Well, your brother and sister might have two names, but you're on a podcast, so you got that. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> True. You also have, like, amazing traditions when it comes to your culture when you die. Why don't you tell us a little bit what happens when somebody dies? Yes, usually at funerals we'll um, all go to the funeral and stuff. There's usually, like, big feasts happening beforehand. And then we'll go to the funeral, and at the funeral is the time where people can, usually the family of the person that died is allowed to speak up against whoever's at that funeral that has done wrong by that person. And if, you, if you're that person that's, you know, getting, getting all the <laughs> copying it all, you usually just have to sit there with your head down and just cop it. But if you say anything, then you'll copper copper flogging but uh it's pretty hectic but yeah we now we have normal normal ceremonies where we bury the people and celebrate their life usually yeah they would they would somewhat like cremate the bodies as well but it, I don't know it just sort of depends on what tribe you were from I guess depending on how you would do the bodies because yeah I've heard some I've heard many different things like I've also heard one stage that I'm pretty sure the twins if you had a twin the twin would get eaten or sacrificed or something because it was a devil or a demon I can't remember <laughs> there's just that sounds there's fun. so much happening yeah <laughs> yeah it is there's, there's so much happening but it's, it's pretty it's pretty great it's yeah it's great the family that's awesome yeah they all come together like we we've gone to many many funerals in our lives I have gone to wow I can't even I can't even put a number on how many funerals I've gone to like I could uh, there was a time in our life where there was literally someone dying nearly every week where we were going to a funeral nearly every single week because there was like at least for three months in a row there were a few people dying and we were just constantly traveling and going to funerals and because our family's so big and there are brothers or our sisters or our aunties and uncles but we sadly probably haven't even met half of them so it's pretty crazy it's yeah like I've met a lot of family for the first time going out to communities as well it's great it's well that's great that part's great funerals usually aren't but meeting all my family is it's amazing yeah yeah of course of course also their marriage isn't like our a normal I don't want to say normal because who's to say that white people and western culture is normal right but your how you how you marry is is your own way too why don't you tell us about how the aboriginal people marry quote unquote you know yeah so we yeah we don't marry we if you're with someone you are married so 
in the community, Bailey and I, we're pretty much married, even though in the Western world, we are actually just engaged yeah. <laughs> with, a, with a child. So, yeah. but um, yeah, if we went out to the community, he's my husband, I'm his wife. That's how everyone sees it. Yeah. If you're with someone, yeah, that's your, that's your lover. That's your husband and your wife pretty much. Yeah. So <laughs> do you, is there divorce in the Aboriginal or if you're together, you're together. And then if it doesn't work out, you just split. Yeah, I think it's if you're together, you're together. Um, from my knowledge, from my knowledge, there are as the lawmen, the initiated men. I know that there's been stories where they have, uh, they call it singing. They'll sing you, where they pretty much they'll do traditional singing, where they'll make a woman fall in love with them. And some of them have like two or three that they've sung. So there's always like a bit of a clash going on with the women because it's like, well, you know, he sung me oh, <laughs> sort of thing. Interesting. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But, yeah, no, there's not really any divorce. If you're not with him, you're yeah, not with him, I guess. Yeah. You're not, not on to the next. Makes so, things uh, yeah. less complicated. <laughs> yeah, it does. It? <laughs> so let's get into the thick of the sad, sad things. And so why don't you tell us what happened when the British came over to claim Australia for themselves? Why don't you tell a little bit from your perspective what happened with the Aboriginal people when Britain decided to do that? Yeah, so uh, the, the British, they actually came over to claim Australia under Terra Nullis, which is belonging to Ab- like no one, but yet there were very clear song, uh, song lines, tribal boundaries of areas that belong to specific groups. The British, they started farming and depleting food sources so that we ended up having to actually, we were forced to pretty much steal cattle and sheep just to feed ourselves because they, they'd, you know, just taken everything away from us. And then resulting in that, they would often go out, yeah, to communities and slaughter the children and the women because of these things that was their way of solving everything so uh many wars fighting to keep their land but eventually we're forced oh yeah so we're forced into living on the outskirts of towns because of the um we were yeah forced out pretty much we're forced out and said no longer we don't want you here and then yeah so i know in esperance where i'm from my dad's mother's tribe down there they were living in Esperance area and then they were forced out and there's a spot, Bandy Creek, which is an in-town area now, they were forced out there to live in uh, their tents and things like that pretty much. And then, yeah, they would, like I've, I've heard many stories from like that family down there as well that that's where they used to, yeah, pretty much camp out because they were forced out of their, their own community. Um, I know for a fact that Dad's, family were also forced out of the communities there was actually there was a there was a bomb drop out at one of the one of the communities I can't remember which one it was but there was a bomb dropped and resulting in that there was pretty sure there was a there was a pastor that came in to try to warn everyone that that, that's what was happening and then a few people got out a few didn't but uh, some of my family got out and then we were separated into three different three different missions and then when we came back, because the bomb that they dropped, I can't remember what it was, there were still toxins in the area. We couldn't actually go live back there because it would kill us. We had to live on the outskirts of wherever. I can't remember where it was. Yeah, I had to live on the outskirts of 
that community because, yeah, the bombs were dropped because they were trying to wipe us out. That's crazy. <laughs> Gosh, I'm sorry. That sucks. Yeah. You were telling yeah, me when the uh, – oh, sorry. Thankfully. Thankfully, well, I was saying thankfully my family were able to live through it, otherwise I wouldn't be here. Yeah, we're mm. grateful you're here. Yeah. Yes, I am too. Here. Yeah, I'm sure Bailey is too. Yeah. <laughs> Some days. Zeke wouldn't be as cute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. So I know you were telling me that there was a storm when the British people came and the Aboriginal original people went and they tried to help them but then that backfired on them and then the British I guess didn't understand about the outer and had slapped one of the outers and then it was kind of on like Donkey Kong but the aboriginal people didn't have the same weaponry as the British Mm -hmm. and so they got completely like you said before slaughtered yeah Yeah. and (laughs) tortured why don't you tell us Mm -hmm. I don't you know I don't it's not pleasant but why don't you tell us about how they were tortured in some ways and stuff like that so that we can understand how bad it really was back then yeah so yeah the women were taken out of the communities a lot of the time for sex um, to rape to yeah the kids were the kids were usually taken the kids were taken out that's where they would be taken out, grow like grow up to with all the white family sort of thing, learn how to like church, school, get dressed, all the sort of normal things. They they were pretty pretty bad. It got to a point they don't really teach you this though, but um they would bury kids, babies specifically, in the ground with only just their heads sticking out of the ground alive, and then have contests to see who could kick their heads off the furthest. Oh, my goodness. They would, yeah. Oh, my goodness. They would tie the men up and then rape and molest the, their mothers and the children and then slaughter them in front of the men before doing it to the men. They would usually just hang the men all together or shoot them or line them up and shoot Gosh. them. After raping the women and having lighter kids, those kids would then get taken out. It, the only time kids were taken, the stolen generation, the stolen generation is any kid that is a product of a white person. So any bit of white, they're taken away to wash them out as white as possible until they continue to have whiter and whiter and whiter kids. But yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty horrific. They, they pretty much just didn't want us here anymore. They just tried to, yeah, just wash us out of this whole whole country i'm glad you <laughs> but persevered yeah i'm yeah. glad you all persevered we're a we better... didn't have the weapons but we still made it <laughs> yeah. we're a better world with uh, aboriginal people in it that's for sure <laughs> yeah i agree on behalf of all white people i'm very sorry <laughs> oh, i always feel bad yeah, looking back okay. at history and stuff and i'm always like gosh i just i'm white and I feel super bad about that. And I just, but a lot of things happened back in 1600, 17. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is way before, you know, any of us were born. Yeah. And I just think that mm-hmm. it's just something that we need to learn from and make sure that we can do our part as all cultures to make sure that this is talked about, like I said, and never happens again, you know? Yeah. I just don't understand the soullessness 
of people I that know. could do that to a cute little baby or to women or men. Like just to torture a person just means I that know. they don't see them as human. And that baffles me because mm-hmm. I'm such an empath. Yeah. Like, and I would just be like, you know, I just, I don't understand. I can't grasp the, well, we, you know, we weren't the cruelty. seen as humans. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. It, took, it took many, many years until we were actually even able to vote, like, until we we're actually seen as people. Oh, crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a, it's been a long time coming and it's still, we're still got a long way to go, but yeah. you know, baby steps, I guess we're making, we're making progress. I'm just hoping that it's way better for Zeke when he grows up and his kids. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course we can, we can be better and we can do better for sure. Oh and yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. That's the goal. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Well, thank you. Let's uh let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about a little more about that whitewashing. I don't understand it because to have like darker skin is so beautiful. Again, something mm-hmm. that uh I'm so glad that my kids are mixed with Japanese because in the summer mm. it works out great. <laughs> like they don't burn <laughs> like me. Just in a logical standpoint, <laughs> having brown skin. <laughs> seems like it's the way to go (laughs) it is is. yeah yeah so your father's father right was put in one of these uh boarding schools and was taken from his family Mm -hmm. right yeah and yeah right yeah 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 so he being obviously the italian the white italian man and an aboriginal woman's child was taken away and put in a school, in a mission, really. So they were like schools. They were like boarding schools somewhat, but they're like little missions where they pretty much just teach them English, teach them how to dress, teach them uh, how to clean, teach them pretty much Jesus, everything like that. And then they, what they, yeah, they just wanted to keep doing it. But he, he met quite a few, uh, quite a few of his family members in there from from that. And he was one of the ones that was lucky enough to sort of grow older and return back to his community with also not being so whitewashed because a lot uh, a lot of the time they would turn the Aboriginal people against each other. So they would tell them all these things and, you know, fill their heads to, to make them feel like that they weren't Aboriginal or that the, the darker you were, the dirtier you were sort of thing. So the Aboriginal, we would, you know, we'd cop it from our, from our own people because they would, they would just sort of tune their brains to say, well, now you're white, you've, you've got to be nasty to them. And that's, it was, it, it was horrific, but yeah, they, <laughs> see, it is horrific. It's still horrific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, yeah, he met family. He's met, met his nephew in there. Yeah. He met his nephew in there who, is in Kalgoorlie, still alive today, actually. Wow. Unfortunately, yeah, my dad's dad died in a car accident. So I'm sure if he didn't die in a car accident, he'd also still be alive today. Um, But, yeah, no, he's still alive today. So when Australia are saying to get over it, there's no really getting over it when uh, the stolen generation is still here living today. Yeah. And unfortunately, because a lot of the time, being in missions, the kids were very mistreated. They obviously lots of them were raped, lots of them were taken and beaten horrifically. A lot of the stolen generation don't like to talk about 
what happened to them because of what happened to them so horrific, which is sad because it doesn't shed any light on their situations and help us educate our young ones into what not to do if it ever happens or hopefully it doesn't ever happen again. But, yeah, it, because they don't ever want to reminisce on it really, which is fair enough. It's yeah, horrific. I'm sure I they have imagine PTSD going through it. Yeah, from it yeah. and bringing it up is really, really probably quite emotional. Yeah, yes, yes, because a lot of them also weren't able to get back to the communities or they would long for the communities. I'm not sure if you saw the movie The Rabbit Proof Fence, but that's based on a true story where the girls were taken from, because they were part white, three, three, uh, two sisters and a cousin were taken from the community and they walked the rabbit proof fence all the way back home. Um, unfortunately, one of the girls was captured and taken back, but two of them made it home. And yeah, it's quite a quite a sad story. But um, it, it happened. A lot of them weren't able to make it back. Lots of them would walk miles because these weren't just missions near their communities. These were missions on the other side of Australia, so as far away from your home as possible, so you didn't know where you were. That's that was their plan. They didn't want them to go back home. And, yeah, so most of them didn't make it back home, unfortunately, and a lot of them did, thankfully. So Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> well, that's good to be educated mm. about the stolen generation and to be told a little bit of that. And I can't even imagine going up to somebody like, say, a Jewish person that had been through a concentration camp and telling them that they just need to get over it. You know what I mean? And then I know that there's people over here, American Indians, who went through similar things as the Aboriginal people being whitewashed Mm -hmm. and stolen, their stolen generation as well. I don't know much about Mm -hmm. it. Maybe I can eventually get someone on the podcast to talk about that version. But I I know it's kind of the same. I would love to listen to that. Yeah, and we just don't. I, 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 they try to talk about it in schools, I think, but to have mm-hmm. someone come in and be able to talk about that, and I don't know, I don't know of any of my friends at least that would go up to them and be like, you need to get over that. It's like, yeah. I just, if that happened to, I mean, that happened to Drew's grandparents. They were taken and put it in camps, and, you mm-hmm. know, their life was stolen, but they weren't whitewashed. They weren't tried to, they weren't mm-hmm. tortured and tried to be bred out. You know what I mean? And I don't mm. know of anyone that yeah. went up to them and said, you just need to get over that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, know? It's like, <laughs> it's just such a horrible piece of history that a lot of countries mm-hmm. have, including Australia. New Zealand has it too. America has it. You know, we just have these people that think they can do whatever they want to the Indigenous people and it's not okay and they got away with it in a lot of countries, yeah, including Australia. Yeah you know yeah sadly yeah yeah but we're not going to be like that so that's good (laughs) (laughs) yes better future hopefully yeah so in Australia now do you feel as if the truth about your history is told no no what do you think can be done about that like so what is so when Zeki goes to school and they're doing history and you know they don't they Mm -hmm. just don't talk about it period or just kind of wash over it or How's it talked about? We are mostly taught about what happened in America than we are about what happened in Australia. Where we've got so in Australia we've got NAIDOC week, which, which is the week we celebrate the Aboriginal culture. <sighs> but one week, you get one week, Shanae. <laughs> <laughs> one 
one week and Australia Day still happens to be on the day where the massacre started. So oh, come on, Australia, come on, get, Australia. Get, it get it together. Make it a different day. Get it together. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Celebrate with but, the um, Aboriginal yeah. people. Make Australia a day yeah. where you come together and we all are together and can appreciate yeah. what we are now. You know, that's what we've been saying for years. <laughs> we're fighting. We're still fighting for it. Unfortunately, we're fighting for a lot of things. But um, yeah, no, we've got NADOC week for one one week, and that's pretty much yeah. You just colour the flags in, paint some dots on some pictures, and eat some traditional food, and on you go. It's never really. You can at least get a month. It's really sad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, I know, but it is. It's really sad. Like. I feel as though if we start telling the truth and not just this whitewashed version, because that's what it is, the stories that we get told in the schools are a version told by the white people that suits their narrative. It doesn't, it's not the truth, um, unfortunately. And I feel like if we start at a very young age, like we, like we do, like in primary school, started in primary school, kids will start, you know, going back to home and going, well, mum, actually, no, this is what happened. Why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, oh, no, they're, they're just a dirty abo or, you know, that sort of stuff. Because, <laughs> yeah, racism is still real. I've had a, I've copped it since I was a little girl. I still cop it today. I've got friends that still cop it on a daily. Um, you walk into a shop, you're followed. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. And Australia will still fight and say it's not racist, but unless you're black, you have no idea. Yeah. Have no idea. Like it is really sad. I see it all the time. You see, as soon as a black person walks into a shop, a security guard starts making their way over. Why don't you do that to the white people? (laughs) What is a black person? How does it make them any different? I see so many white crackheads come in here. Yeah. <laughs> you don't do anything about them. Yeah. But as soon as an Aboriginal person comes in, it's crazy. It is. But, like, yeah, they complain about all, they complain about it, them sleeping on the streets and that, but yet they push us all out of our community. Yeah. So it's like. What do you want? It's a lose-lose, yeah. really. Yeah. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> We're not winning anywhere. Yeah. I just wonder if we could put in our schools, if we could invite an Aboriginal person in just to tell their story, just to those little kids and just keep it simple. I mean, we don't have to go into, you know, horrible detail. Maybe to the high school kids, I think my kids would appreciate someone coming in and giving them the details, you know, but there's, it can be done in stages and just have someone come in and just tell their story, just educate them, you know. I did have this one great teacher in primary school, Mrs. Elliot. She, she, she was a white woman. Shout and out to like, Miss Elliot. Know, I just remember. <laughs> yeah, shout out Miss Elliot. She was great. I remember um, going out to Cape Legrand, which is like an Aboriginal uh, tribal area sort of thing, but it's now a tourist attraction. Going out there, and uh, my auntie was one of my aunties was actually asked to come and tell the stories about, you know, the traditional stories about the communities and things like that. So it was, it was really fun. And then she also had us out making teepees. So she got really involved in the Aboriginal culture and I loved it because I got to showcase who I really was. And I got to, I felt like I could be who I was. And I had another great teacher, Mr. Teasdale, shout out Mr. T who taught in Aboriginal community. So he knew exactly, he knew exactly how to deal with me, which is, most teachers don't because Aboriginal people are very private, very sensitive people. So they don't really like 
being exposed or yelled out in public and public places, you've got to sort of pull them aside and go, hey, like, you know, because they get really embarrassed because obviously their whole lives they've sort of just been looked down upon. So as soon as there's someone you're like, oh, okay, now everyone's looking at me now. I'm just this, yeah, everyone's just thinking the worst of me. So, yeah, he was great too. So probably the only two actually great teachers I had that really acknowledged my culture. I love that you had two that did that. Yeah. Let's hope we can get some more across everywhere I know. that would be awesome I know yeah exactly exactly so you were telling me that the aboriginal people's bodies are a little bit different they can't they're not as strong with some of the western things tell us a little bit about that yeah pretty much we just lived off the lands for our whole lives so our bodies are just used to natural uh, medicines natural uh, foods or everything like that so Sugar, we get really like, you know, high diabetes, uh, alcohol affects us, drugs obviously take the massive toll on our bodies. Yeah. But, yeah, no, we used to live off and we used to obviously do a lot of walking because moving around Australia to follow the food sources, that sort of thing, um, chase the food. So we're very fit, very healthy, lived off the land, like there was no junk food or anything around. And then... The, yeah, they brought it all over and our bodies just sort of started deteriorating. So now we, we've sort of got special shot, like special extra vaccines for us. And, you know, the only the only thing, well, we get free health care. That's pretty much about the only free thing we get, <laughs> get in Australia. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay. You get it's one great. week and free medical. in some places pre-medical in some places it depends depends on your situation (laughs) but yeah it's yeah pretty great I love my culture yeah besides yeah Yeah. everything that's happened to it yeah yeah that's awesome they need you to love your culture so that you can educate people like me I think it'll be really really good thank you so tell us about your okay. story growing up, Shanae. What was it like going to school and growing up as an Aboriginal girl? Tell us a little bit about that. Um, growing up for me was wasn't easy. <laughs> Being, yeah, you said it kind so of started much, at four. Yeah. You were exposed to racism yeah. at four. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we we used to do gymnastics and then – our mum took us to a class and let us run. And mum's always sort of sat back and watched being a white woman. She's always just sort of wanted to watch to see, if, you know, how real racism is and how often it happens. So she would sit back before she'd intervene. And so she sort of just let us play on the gym equipment. Like all the other kids were, we sort of came along a bit later and the kids were playing on the gym equipment and we were like, yes, we'll jump on, and, you know, just being kids. And the gym teacher came over just to me and my sister, the only two black kids in the whole class, and just went off her nut and she was like, you know, you need to get off, blah, blah, blah. And me and my sister, just these little kids terrified. My mum obviously walks over at this time and she's like, excuse you. And the woman's, like, face just sort of ran white because she was like, oh, my gosh, she's a white woman. Yeah. <laughs> and then mum's like, these these other kids were playing on the gym equipment way before my daughters came. You've been here the whole time witnessing it. Yeah. Like, you know, and then, yeah, sort of ever since then, it's sort of just, yeah, eye-opening. I've had people obviously treat me differently because I'm black. I've had race, racist, uh, racist comments thrown at me all the time. As soon as people get angry, it doesn't even matter. Like, it's just you dirty boom, you nigger, this and that. It's 
quite quite disgusting. I've been told to cl- climb back up my tree uh, by an adult <laughs> when I was a kid. That's um, horrible. You've been accused of stealing, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, been accused of stealing. So uh, my mum every year she would pack our – my mum had just had this cupboard full of arts and crafts stuff. So she would pack um, our pencil cases for us and she always made sure that we had everything ready before the school before school started. So our pencil cases were – ready and whatnot, yeah, made sure we had our sharpeners, everything. And I went to school and, I well, I had a, a common sharpener that everyone else in the class, well, not everyone, but lots of other people in the classes had. And I was drawing on it as I did and one of the girls was like, that's my sharpener. I've, you know, I've drawn on the bottom too. That's mine and went up and told the teacher and the teacher just instantly assumed it was hers and then it went to the office and then the office called my mum and my mum came in and was like, well, actually, I packed it for my daughter and this is this is just uh, racial... Profiling, uh, basically. <laughs> yeah, racial profiling, exactly. I was like, you were stereotyping her because she's black, yeah. pretty much saying that she's stolen that, that's, that's not fair sort of thing and... They soon, yeah, the school pretty much learnt quickly that they were gonna don't try to yeah. be racist because mum was a, she was a teacher, she was a principal, she, she knew the industry, so she, yeah. yeah, and plus obviously being a white woman with black kids, she had a voice yeah. that was heard. Yeah, yeah. that's great. You've experienced mm. racist relief teachers and, like you said, you were followed mm-hmm. in shops and your bags are checked, you're called mm-hmm. names. You even didn't get to finish high school, really. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yeah. being a teenager? Yeah, so being a, teen- oh, being a teenager was hard because, obviously, like, I was too white for the black kids and I was too black for the white kids. So pretty much I didn't have, I didn't have many friends because... I, I struggled to fit in pretty much because a lot of the black kids were jealous because my mum was white and I had somewhat nice things and then a lot of the white kids didn't like me because I was black and, you know, I was loud and I was who I was sort of thing. But it was hard, yeah, my, I, pretty, I had a falling out with a group of girls and then the uh, student services guy, Poston, shout out Posse, <laughs> pretty much turned around and told me that I, if I didn't want to sort out what I was going through with the girls, I might as well leave school because there's no point in me being there. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, now you're here to tell me who I need to be friends with. That's crazy. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, it was. It was. I've had uh, an incident where because, like, I, I rebelled quite a bit. I got to, I got bullied quite a lot you know, pushed out a lot. So when I got to high school, I just sort of went, you know what, if anyone has anything to say, you say it to me. So I was very vocal. I said it how it was. If you had an issue, you'll say it to my face. Otherwise, just don't say it at all. And then I grew up very quickly. I got to about year 10 and I was like, oh, snap this out. Yeah, I think it was year 10, maybe year 11. And then student services came and got me and he was like, oh, apparently you called this girl a name and because of your track record, we're going to keep you in timeout. And I was like, excuse me, I haven't been here in over a year. Like, yeah, why are you, why, why all of a sudden? Uh, but that's the thing, I was never believed because of, well, being black, really, I could never, I was never really heard. I was always outspoken, really. Yeah. But, yeah. That's rough. It was hard. And then, yeah, I grew up, grew up very quickly from that because I was like, well, there's no, I'm not getting my point across from screaming and shouting. So I might as well, you know, just be, be a better person, which 
thankfully. Yeah. I'm able to reflect. <laughs> you were just a kid and you were presented with yeah, exactly. a rough situation. I don't think it's, I think mm. it's hard for people who, to understand who wasn't immediately judged for their skin color. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably people out there yeah. listening. They're like, yep, 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 yep. But then there's other people <laughs> that are like, wow, you know what I mean? And I just don't, I just mm. think it's hard to really fully understand that rebelliousness. And it's like, well, why don't you just be good and just like sit? It's like years of being told that you're a certain way, you know, mm. and then just trying to figure that out. I mean, you're just a kid. You're just a yeah. teen. I mean, there's so much well, to go through thing. just as a teenager, yeah. just period, let alone with like <laughs> a background of, you know, that, like that, like yeah. yours. Yeah, well, that's another thing. Aboriginal people, we're, we're, we're hands-on learners. We're not visual learners. We can't sit down at a desk and learn like that. We're, we're more so we'll pick up a tool and show me how to do it. I can do it and it's done like that. Do you know what I mean? So at school I did struggle a lot. In some classes were better than others because they were more hands-on than others. But, yeah, I struggled a bit with that, which I think also led to the rebellious and that sort of stuff because I wasn't really doing well and I always say to my mum I hated school I don't want to be in school mm. like you know send me somewhere else let me get a job or something and it, it got to the point where she eventually let me leave school to start a traineeship because she was like you need to do something and I was like yeah I do I don't want to be at school yeah <laughs> and yeah so I went yeah and now you yeah. work uh, for a bank so yeah now out. I work for a bank so go me <laughs> yeah Thank you, Australia. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Australia. I get a week and a bank job. <laughs> you are allowed to, and obviously I've talked about, to be able to go back and be a part of uh, your family's community, like with your dad. Mm-hmm. And tell us a little bit about being in that community when you go visit it and your feelings about being a part of that community when you go back. Uh, even, mostly it sounds like for funerals. But <laughs> tell us yeah. a little bit about <laughs> yeah. your particular communities that you hang out at. So home for me is the one the one that I can remember the most is Yalata. I being a kid, we'd like go out there. I loved I love being out at the bush. It's like my safe haven, it's it's home, it's everything to me. So like it's I go like I love going out there just to cleanse, just to to restart refresh sort of thing so going out there as a kid mum would be like we'd pull up to sorry camp which is uh where everyone sort of sits around after someone's passed away and they grieve over the uh loved one um and we'd pull up so mum mum and dad could just say quick hello and say that they'll be back before we go to the house that we were staying at but she'd tell us kids to stay in the car and I'd be the one to sling the door open and belly flop into the red dirt and cover myself I just love the red dirt cover myself in the red dirt I just I don't know it's just a it's it's a different feeling than being obviously in the city or back in my hometown in Esperance like it's it's yeah it's it's a safe place it's it's nice it's refreshing yeah (laughs) I love it yeah (laughs) have you take gotten to take your son up there yet no COVID so borders are shut which sucks because yeah South Australia but I'm hoping to soon because I need to take Bailey out there to um meet the family and Zeke needs his name as well so yeah need to go 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. COVID's kind of then, stopping yeah. people from doing a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like... supposed to go home like two years ago, so that's great. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So... yeah. We were supposed to go to New Zealand not long ago, well, before, just before COVID. Yeah. And then COVID happened and we were like, no. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One day. Yeah, one day, exactly. So Australia has a long way to go before they can be considered a proud country of their Indigenous people, it sounds like. It sounds like there's a Mm -hmm. lot of things that need to happen. The people received an apology by Prime Minister, correct? By a certain Prime Minister, you received an apology. But there's still things that need to improve, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like, you were telling me that you're not allowed to fly the Aboriginal flag or you get fined? Like, what's up with that? So we don't own rights to our flag. So every other flag in the whole entire world has free rights to it. You can use it on whatever shirt, company, paint it, whatever you want with it. That's a It's a free flag. The Aboriginal flag is sadly owned by two white people who do not want anyone to use it without paying them. So we're not allowed to – well, obviously, like – you know, Australia, like the at the Parliament houses and things, like they're able to fly the flags because government rights or whatever. But if my brother, who has his own business, wants to put the Aboriginal flag on the shirt, he is he will be fined. He is not allowed to use it. Being an Aboriginal man, he is not allowed to use his own flag. And it's so frustrating. We have a fight for it. We're continuously trying to fight for it. It's just it, it's. <laughs> It's crazy. Australia is, yeah, far, far, far from being fixed yet. Like our kids, our kids are still somewhat taken out of their homes. Um, we have so many deaths in custody. We have so many missing ca- missing people's cases in the Aboriginal communities with throughout the Aboriginal uh, towns or whatever. But it's never broadcast. You see more about white people going missing or white deaths and you never hear anything about the Aboriginal people. It's all swept under the rugs. Or the deaths in custody, it's swept under the rugs. You don't hear about any of it. The rapes, the murder, the continuous murders of the of people on the streets, especially, that is just swept under the rugs and not cared about is just horrific. Like, yeah, there's just more stories about white people over the news and the only time you see about an Aboriginal person is most usually for something bad they've done. The only time you'll see on the news is because they've done something bad. But So the narrative's like, not helping. The narrative needs to change. It's definitely not. It, yes, 100% definitely needs to change. It's, um, it's, it's, we're, we're, we've, come, we've come quite far considering, but we've still got, a long, long way to go. Just like even with, you know, like rentals, we struggle to find housing because no one wants to house us. No one wants to put us in any rentals because, you know, we're just useless Aboriginal people, really. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, yeah, pay, paychecks, you know, everything. Like jobs, you go apply for a job, it's hard for you to get a job because you're black, you're Aboriginal. Mm -hmm. But then, again, there's other companies out, bigger companies usually out there, that were dying to hire an Aboriginal person because it makes them look good. Yeah. Like it's a, we're just, we're sort of like it's, 
they want us and then they don't want us. Like they want us because it suits them and suits their business and suits their narrative. And then they don't want us because they can't trust us and we're dirty and we're, we're, we're criminals and mm. all this sort of, it's, it's a, yeah, it can't, never wins. It's a roller coaster. <laughs> never win. Yeah. <laughs> so you were telling me that the Aboriginal people, the men fought in the war and got paid way less back in the day. And so... Yeah, so I found out they actually didn't really get paid at all. We, so we, uh, we were slaves. We, we fought for ages to even have equal rights, equal pay. We've had so many unpaid wages of money that they've just conned out of us over the years. Like, that's the thing. They say sorry and get over it and stuff like that. But there's so much there's just so much things that just haven't really been resolved. Like all the people that we sent over to fight for our country that were never paid and their families were never paid. Yeah. Like Kathy Freeman's mum went to go get a, go get her partner's paycheck who was over in the war and she was denied it because she was black. Yeah. Like it's, it's horrific. Like they weren't allowed any, yeah, they, they had them as slaves. They had them as yeah, sex slaves, you name it. They had them and it was all free, free labor pretty much. Yeah, and then that's the thing they tell us to get over it, and they still, and they they steal all our lands and our sacred sites, and then trying to fight don't for pay those us sacred for fighting sites. For our country. Yeah, yeah, continuing to fight for our sacred sites. We only just got Uluru back a couple of years ago. Great, great. Yeah, <laughs> maybe know. they could. Then, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Then just recently, they um, a mine site blew up a sacred site without even asking the elders. Yeah. So, yeah. You win some, you win one. Yeah, yeah, then... yeah literally, yep. <laughs> yeah. You win some and then you lose some, yep. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, one thing that I think you brought up that's great is maybe Australia could name things more Aboriginal names, like streets, yeah. cities, things mm-hmm. like this. Start embracing, you know, the cultural, yeah. you know, the names and the wording and the language a little bit more in everyday Australian use. That could be one way. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you were telling me. Yeah, hundred percent agree. I um, so just recently, really, they've started renaming towns or cities or putting them on the map and actually exposing them for the real names that they they traditionally are. Whether people are choosing to use them or not, that's their own choice. But you know, we we would prefer that they did. But yeah, it's acknowledging us in some ways, and it, we like. I don't know about everyone else, but I definitely appreciate that it's a start. It's definitely a start. They're trying to acknowledge us, half of Australia are fighting against it, going, well, this is the normal name, I'm just going to call it this. And the other half are going, yes, it's finally time that we that we start actually doing something like this and acknowledging them because they are really the, the traditional owners of the land. And we well, haven't if, been treating them that way. Yeah, well, if you got to start somewhere and even if half the people don't call it, eventually those mm. people are going to pass on and we've still raised up a generation that is used to the new name now. So, I mean, it's got to start at some stage, even if the older people cling to the old name, the newer people are going to come and know the new name. And then eventually, Mm. like, I mean, changes, unfortunately changes very, very gradual. But if we, if Mm -hmm. we are purposeful in it, I think that eventually by the time our children grow up and their children grow up, it can look even better, you know, just by those small changes and naming things and Aboriginal 
name and the language I think is a great great start yeah oh yeah 100% it's definitely a great start and like considering there are hundreds of different Aboriginal languages I still feel like they need to at least acknowledge the language of the community they live on and teach it in schools like they would French or you know Italian it's yeah. like it's it's the like and that's their their argument like oh there's different there's hundreds of thousands like how are we supposed to remember it doesn't matter as long as you've actually acknowledged the people of the land that you live and you're trying that's yeah. all we really that's all we really need we just need yeah. acknowledgement we just need you to try to actually you know make us feel like we belong because this this is where we do belong and we don't feel like you know this is that we we can belong in our own home yeah yeah for sure I know some Aussies say that you all get free housing and cars do you have a free house and a car Shanae (laughs) oh I would love one I would is this house you're sitting in tonight is that was that free (laughs) you know what if it was it'd definitely be bigger than this (laughs) it's a shoebox I yeah Look, I don't know where they got that crazy theory from. I don't know why. No free houses with cars. Got it. (laughs) Yeah, definitely not. Um, It would be nice. It would definitely be nice. But, yeah, don't don't see that happening. (laughs) Yeah, it would be nice. The free health, yeah. We get some free health in some aspects, but that's about it. That's probably the only free thing we get. Yeah, yeah. And they're not quick. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make it a month. <laughs> and whoever those two white people are, how about you give the Aboriginal people their flag back? Oh, please. You know, how about please. you just do the right thing and how about you just and then, give yeah. their flag back? You know? And then a lot of the argument is, why don't you just make a new one? But, like, why yeah, we could. You? But at the same time, we've had to fight for everything else yeah. to get everything else back why why should why are we needing to fight for for our flag like we fought for everything else just give it back (laughs) we just you know it's a flag just how wrong it is that those people have rights to it is crazy to me Mm. I mean that's a whole story (laughs) so the flag originated because the the man who sold the flag to the white couple uh pretty sure he was a teacher I don't know there was there was a, a competition going on uh, within the Aboriginal communities to draw up a flag that they felt represented the Aboriginal people the best. And so one of the kids had come up with that flag and then he sort of ran with it, made it into a flag, and then these white people were like, I'll buy this flag off you for this much, like for a, quite a bit of money. And Aboriginal people were very easily manipulated. We don't actually... Well, we're not really educated on manip- being manipulated and uh, what people can do to turn. So it, he obviously gave in, just wanted the money for himself sort of thing. Yep, cool, cool. And then obviously I don't think he planned for it to go that way, but that's the way it went. And unfortunately, yeah, he's no, probably kicking not. himself for it. But, yeah. yeah, he... I'm sure he is. Yeah, you know, he went, yeah, exactly. He, I don't know, you make some mistakes in your life, I guess. You just... Certainly I have. That's before that's oh, yeah. for sure. Even at the beginning of this yeah. podcast saying racist stuff, so <laughs> <No>. <laughs> You're okay. we all live and learn, right? <laughs> exactly. Just be yeah, exactly. Educated. Yeah. 
Learning. So you're in a fantastic job uh, with people that mm. treat you really well. And you have dreams of doing more with your life, with your culture. Tell me some dreams that you have, Sinead. My biggest one right now, like I, don't, I just keep, because I keep seeing really, really bad, like reports on Aboriginal deaths or just wrongdoings that I just, I wouldn't mind becoming a lawyer, just studying law and becoming a lawyer for, and a voice for Aboriginal people. Because a lot of the times they don't have, well, there's no money, really. How, how can they afford a lawyer, firstly? But they've got no one to stand up for them and go, oi, this is wrong. Do you know what it like? Because there's many white lawyers, there's not many Aboriginal lawyers and not, they don't really feel comfortable around white people like they do Aboriginal people. That's why I feel like being Aboriginal and being a lawyer, it just it helps a lot of aspects of Australia. <laughs> yeah no I just I don't know I just want to fight for my people in a way or just be a voice in a way for them just to help us out a bit because it's it's wrong it's happened ever since my dad was a kid ever since I was a kid and it'll probably happen until Zeke's my age unfortunately so that'd yeah that'd be really cool just, that'd be really cool yeah hopefully hopefully I've been looking into it I have I've been saying it to my friend for a while. She's like, just do it. Stop talking about it. I'm like, no, but work and study and a kid. Oh. If you sell that free house and car that you get, then you'll be able to afford to pay for school. <laughs> <laughs> You're so, that is actually really smart. I do that. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> you said you want to maybe get more back into, because you love the land so much and your people and your culture, you would love to use natural plants and learn the ways of your people yeah. and stuff as well which I think would be amazing yeah 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 so um I obviously I know like a bit I've been out the bush and I've been taught a bit and how to fruits and that so I've, I'm lucky enough to be able to teach Zeke I taught Zeke the other week uh, what a quandong was and eat a quandong and then I showed him this other uh, fruit fruit plant to get honey out of and have a little sweet cool. but yeah no it's nice to it's nice to be able to teach him what I've learned but I definitely love to go back out and learn a lot more on what we what we used to do to survive really and then incorporate that into products and hopefully sell them for people to use because what who doesn't want anything natural right and there's like a huge <laughs> market for that and it, i mean and mm. the aboriginal people i mean who doesn't i mean who knows more about the land than them you know what i mean to be able yeah, to like exactly. use that and to be able to represent them and then also to be able to actually make money mm. <laughs> instead of like being manipulated i mean that would be so cool to be yeah. able to use that culture and to it be would. able to do that yeah, that and would go be back awesome. and give back to them in some ways. Yeah, I wouldn't even know how to give back. Probably to the educational system. Yeah, something just to we just just for the younger generation. We just need a voice for the younger generation, and that's it's it's great because uh, every year they do Miss Nadoc in Perth, which is a um, uh, Aboriginal women they enrolled for this course where they uh, do leadership courses pretty much and they become, you sort of just become a voice through there really 
for Aboriginal kids, uh, Aboriginal kids, most of us are there for Aboriginal kids because they're our future. We sort of want to mould them into becoming better people and be more well-educated on our history and everything that's happening outside and, you know, prepare them and things like that. So it's great. We've got, we've got some platforms going, but they just sort of need a bigger broadcast than what they've got at the minute. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. That's exciting. You're a mother to a beautiful boy and, and, and (laughs) Aboriginal standards, you are married to my nephew Bailey. Tell me what your hopes are for your baby who is Maori aboriginal and white and his future like you've told us a little bit about it but obviously just big hopes for him and your future children yeah look i just like any other parent really i i don't wish i just hope that he doesn't come across any sort of racism which i know wouldn't you know never happen i mean he's a white he's white white with blue eyes so he's going to grow up a lot fighting about no, I am Māori, no, I am Aboriginal, when the kids will be like, well, no, you're white. So he's going to have a very hard time growing up and I can see it now, unfortunately. But, um, no, I hope he's able to love himself and his cultures and be proud of them because, well, I'm very proud of mine. Bailey's very proud of his and I like to showcase that around the house. There's things I like to make sure he's listening to songs, seeing the dances, the different dances that they do. Like I te- we, I speak both Māori now. Thanks, Bailey. <laughs> I speak some of Māori now, so I use but that with Zeke and Aboriginal. So he's learning and I just sort of hope that he he's proud of it because there was a time where I even felt lost and I didn't feel proud to be Aboriginal because of how how vulgar people were towards us. So I just, I, yeah, I hid and I don't ever wish that he'd have to do that because there was no, it wasn't, it wasn't nice to not know who I was and then finally find myself again. But, you know, it's, it's great to be back in a good place and know who I am and where I'm from. But I just hope that he never will have to deal with that and knows who he is and proud. That's why just showcase our cultures throughout his whole life. He's got, he's got no hope, this kid. He's going to be very cultured. That's good. That's good. And that's like yeah. an amazing gift that you can give him. And I think like we've talked about this whole time, I think that's a great, great place to be and to, that's mm. the standard now and that we'll be able to move forward with a brighter and a better future when it comes to this kind of stuff, thanks to a lot of Hopefully. like people like you. And me who is willing to learn about it and to be able to do a better job and commit to doing a better Mm. job and hopefully any Aussies who are living uh, who are listening to this which I've got a few that we can all make sure that we can do the best that we can a lot of like my Australian (laughs) friends they were really really awesome and so they I don't think are part of the problem so hopefully we can uh, continue to work together to make things like a lot better for sure Hopefully, yeah, that'll be great. Yeah. I appreciate this. I really do. It's um, good to be able to use my voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm grateful that, yeah. you're, that you I'm, were yeah. willing. Yeah, I, well, I'm grateful that you pushed because, uh, well, I don't reply, firstly. <laughs> yeah, I did push. Secondly, <laughs> Everybody out there, <laughs> I was like, come on, Sinead, we're going to do this. 
Yeah, but I appreciate it. I really do. It's um, like like I said, I've got a lot of family and friends that are like, you need to, I need to hear this. Like, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, you do. You yeah. probably do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Yeah. It's, it's great. It, I appreciate it. And it's good because, yeah, like I, educating people, who doesn't want to be educated? I love learning new things. Don't get me, me too. I love learning yeah, every me new too. thing, especially about history. Yeah. <laughs> And I obviously didn't know much. And I'm um, being brought up in and New Zealand, <laughs> you know, we know a little bit about the Aboriginal people, but not enough for me to know not to call them the other name, obviously. Mm. And I haven't been in New Zealand living for 20 years. And there's a lot that's happened in the last 20 years. And New Zealand's having their own fight with their Indigenous people as well, which I'll eventually have someone on to talk about that mm. as well. And so I just love to sit back and have people tell me like what it is that's going on and so I really appreciate that so much Shanae thanks for being here with us and educating all of us today it's been a blessing to be able to listen and have you here today I appreciate it thank you it's been a blessing to be here (laughs) thank you I appreciate it I appreciate the um I love it I actually I think it's great Thanks. you're out here doing this. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, thanks. It's, yeah, I knew. what more people need to be doing. Yeah, <laughs> I knew I needed to I needed to push you. So thanks to <laughs> Bailey. The real MVP is Bailey because I was like, your wife's not she answering is. me back. Can you, like, push her? He's like, yep. And he was like a champ, like, the whole time. So shout-outs to Bailey. <laughs> he <laughs> he is, made this yeah. happen. Love you, Bailey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was a great man. Yeah. Appreciate him. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Shanae. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate this. Yeah. Well, what a treat to be able to listen to Sinead today, right? It was so, so awesome to be able to listen to her tell her story and to be able to help me be educated with not using that word about her race ever again and to make sure that when we are referring to the Aboriginal people that we say Aboriginal or Indigenous. I love that I learned that today and appreciate how kind Sinead was with that and understanding. I love her goals and I hope that she meets all of them. Obviously, I love my nephew, Bailey, and my brother and my sister-in-law over in Perth that we can have this kind of family and this kind of education. I appreciate everything that they're doing over there for their kindness to be able to come and be with us and be able to sacrifice their time and for Shanae's mom and her notes <laughs> and for her father and his experience and just everybody who is trying their best to be kind and I think that's what Shanae's story is about. It's about us making sure that we see people as human, especially the for today the Aboriginal people, that we see them as human that we think about them, that we're educated about them and that we treat people as humans always, always, always. And I love that Shanae was able to come and share with us a little bit of insight about that and to be able to have our hearts and for us to be open to be able to learn about and be educated about the Aboriginal people of Australia. I lived in Australia for a year and a half, like you know. I have many Australian friends and I love Australia despite the jokes that I say and the many (laughs) things that I say that give Aussies a hard time. I really truly love them and I think Australia can and will continue to be great and that we can have the Aboriginal people be able to be seen and heard even more and I love this movement of being able to do that. 
Thank you for being here for my 20th episode. Thank you to Shanae and thank you to everyone for their support in this journey of mine. Until next time, ka kite anō, aui a koutou.